West End Abbey is a contemplative vineyard church in the West End of Winnipeg in Manitoba, Canada. This is a homily from one of our services. Well, as I was thinking about Ash Wednesday and our time tonight, to be honest, I had no idea what to say. Um, in some ways, it's like we don't need any more reminders that life is fragile and that death is inevitable. And that, in part, is what Ash Wednesday is meant to signify. I mean, globally, of course, the pandemic. Um, I looked today and 5.96 million people have died from COVID since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, as we all know, and even we're talking about before, the Russian invasion of, of Ukraine, around 2,000 people, both Ukrainian and another 2,000 Russian have died. And of course, with all these numbers, I mean, it's hard to even keep track of the numbers, but all of them have their own circle of grief and suffering and trauma, right? All those people were connected to other people and families and relations and friends and all the rest of it. And um, personally for me uh, in the past year, uh, so in my school of spiritual direction, um, from the eight that graduated last summer, two have died one from COVID, one from cancer, one has Parkinson's, uh, one who's also a, a dearly beloved member of our church has struggled with all manner of health uh, conditions. And I'm sure for you, you have your own stories uh, of, of the precariousness of life and death. Uh, we're also aware of that, right? And I guess even alongside that, we've probably all given up so much this last year. Lost so much, given up so much, um, fasted so much. And I, I just want, even as we begin here, just to give us a moment to pause and, and to notice and even to honor the loss the things that you've had to give up, the things that you've had to fast from, many of which were without any choosing on your part. For me as well, one of the things is I have not been able to see my parents for over two years now. And as a lot of you know, I they haven't met my son. Um, and all of these things that I've named and even the things that are unnamed here that, that are you know, becoming clearer to you as you reflect, all of these things remind us of what Ash Wednesday says, that we are dust and to dust we return. Life is fragile. Death is inevitable, right? 
And that makes it difficult to come to a service like this because it's like, I don't want to remind anyone of that. I don't want to talk about that and I don't want to remind anyone of that. But unfortunately, um, the gospel and the scripture, they speak right to that, right to that loss and fasting and, and that sense of being dust. And in the passage that was read from, from St. Paul, it says this, this is how we're supposed to respond to realizing that we are dust and that life is fragile. St. Paul says it this way, be reconciled to God. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. It's this repetition of now. Christian spirituality is, is mostly concerned with the now. <laughs> Although there's a whole host of wonderful things that have happened and a whole host of wonderful things that are going to happen, it's always now. It's always today. Because that's real. That's what is. That's where we are present and can experience God, right? I like to say it this way, that eternal life has already begun. It's not that we wait to know God and we wait to experience everything after we die or even tomorrow or even later, it's now. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says it this way, this is eternal life, that we would know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ who you sent. That is eternal life, to know God, not later, but to know God now. Why? Because we are dust. Now, now is the time. And Lent is supposed to be this now. Lent is supposed to be this time where we're invited to give our heart and our life more fully to God. Not because God loves sacrifice and wants us to suffer, but because God wants us to experience more peace and freedom of heart. God wants us to feel full. Now is the time to be reconciled to God. Today is the day. And that's the whole message of Lent. It's also a message to realize, oh my, I have given myself to so many other things, what Jesus would call earthly treasures. Things that eventually will disappoint and break my heart. I have given myself to things like that. You have given yourself to things like that. Perhaps it's what you have. Perhaps it's what you do. Perhaps it's what others may think of you or something relational. There's a whole host of probably good things that we have given our heart to that actually might lead to disappointment and the breaking of our heart eventually because they're not God. And Lent is a time to realize, oh, I've, I've done that and I want to detach from those things. It's, it's a time to attach more deeply to God, to, as again, Jesus would say, to store up treasures in heaven and increase that, and to experience that increasing peace and freedom of heart. And historically, uh, Christians have often taken on these practices in Lent to do just that, to detach themselves that things that have stolen their heart from God and to attach themselves more fully to God, they've often reflected on their own sin and tried to make amends. They've often fasted. It's like, you know, when your kids or when you have kids and you say, 
you're not going to have any room for dessert if you fill up on ch or whatever, you know, broccoli. I, I can't imagine that that's what parents say, but <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Like we are, we are finite beings. And so the fasting is to say, I only have this much that my heart can be filled with, and I want to fill it with things that will actually last, things that will actually satisfy. So Christians have fasted. Christians have prayed, you know, in earnest during this time. You are here today in a form of prayer. They've also been generous and, and engaged in almsgiving to be mindful of those who are poor and who lack, you know. And they've given themselves to scripture in deeper ways, like whether it's listening to it or meditating on it or reading books about it or something, you know, praying with it. So that's a little bit of a context for, for why we're even meeting tonight, because life is fragile and the time is now for us to give ourselves to God. That's, how, that's where and when eternal life begins. And to do that requires sometimes detaching ourselves from things that inhibit our attachment to God. For me, one thing I've been thinking about for myself lately is I have found myself increasingly impatient and frustrated about just little things, you know, household things, family things. You know, the world is not moving in the way I want it to. And as I've prayed about that day after day, I've realized one of the things that I've attached myself to is controlling the world and having it in the way I want it to be, having the world the way I want it to be, you know. And not only has it taken so much peace and joy from me, it, it obscures my ex experience of God. And so for me, I've also been realizing and trying to pray along, how can I detach myself from the need to control the world, to, to have my world be the way I want it to be? How can I fast from control so that I can feast on God and all the joy and freedom that comes when I'm not controlled by the need to be in control, you know. Another very uh, practical and, to be honest, embarrassing one is that I realize that my phone um, is an attachment, uh, an unhealthy attachment. I'm not against phones and I'm not throwing away my phone, but I have noticed myself in the last months when I see my phone lying on my desk or on the table, I just feel this compulsion to tap the screen and just see if I got any messages. What's going on there? You know, I've noticed even sometimes when my kids are around that I'm picking up my phone and reading and there's nothing to read, you know? There's something that is attaching me to this device that is actually taking away my sense of presence to my family and even my sense of freedom to just not be attached to that compulsion to check my phone, you know? I I think my screen time averages like one and a half to two hours a week or something like that, you know, which is a long time over weeks and months to accumulate to a device. It's a storing of an earthly treasure that is, is ultimately disappointing, you know. So Lent is about realizing, oh, I've given my time and my energy and my, yeah, my heart to a lot of things that moth and rust will destroy and thieves will break in and, 
and take. In other words, things that will just disappoint and break my heart in the end. Things that are not God. So we're going to hear a gospel passage. Deanna's going to read this to us. And it's a wonderful scene in the gospel where Jesus meets someone who has, like all of us, the intention to, to live a godly life, but is also attached to some things that Jesus points out. And we'll use this as our template for our prayer and our conversation with God about what God might be inviting us to in this season of Lent. So Deanna, whenever you're ready, just go ahead and, and read the gospel. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom, kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, for mortals, it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. So I'm going to invite you to pray with this passage. And I invite you to begin here by just imagining, just like Jesus did with this rich young man here, to imagine Jesus looking at you and loving you. How do you imagine? Jesus' facial expression and body language and even emotions as he looks at you and loves you.
Now I invite you to imagine that as Jesus looks at you and loves you, what, if anything, would he say you are overly attached to? What, if anything, is the one thing he would say you lack? Perhaps as you hear Jesus speak to you about that thing, whatever it may be, how do you want to respond to Jesus's invitation to let it go, to have treasure in heaven and to follow him more closely this Lent? And finally, how might the historical practices, the Lenten practices of reflection on sin, prayer, fasting, almsgiving, and scripture feature, if at all, in your life this Lent? Is there any invitation God is extending to you in those things? So just a few kind of, I guess you could say pastoral notes about this kind of stuff. Um, one is that like the focus is on the feasting and not on the fasting. What I mean by that is like, initially it may feel to me, oh, you know, I'm losing 90 minutes of time that I can do work. I'm losing 90 minutes of me controlling my schedule, for example. 
But what I don't see is the fullness and the joy and the experience of God that can come when I give God a chance to fill that. Does that make sense? The focus of Lent is not on mortifying yourself and being miserable for the sake of it. It's actually to, as Jesus would say, to find the food that you know nothing about at the moment because you're eating other things. I have food that you know nothing about. I don't need to eat bread, disciples, you know? That's the secret of Lent, to find the thing in God that you thought was never going to be there because you and I were too busy eating other things, right? So to focus on the feasting, that would be one thing to note. And the second thing to note would be, as we heard earlier, to be gentle with ourselves. My friends, we are in a pandemic and a potential World War III circumstance. These, these are times to be kind and gentle and gracious with us. And any heavy burden or pull towards legalism or, you know, you're a failure if you don't get this perfect is not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is inviting us into more freedom and more joy and more life to feasting. So if you feel like oh my goodness, like this is feeling like death to me. Well, yeah, there is something about that to be reckoned with, but the focus is always not on the death, but on the life after, right? So be gentle with yourself. I will be gentle with myself this Lent. God does not bruise broken reeds. And, and Lent is not a time where we are bringing our bruises and brokenness to get crushed to smithereens even more, you know? But we are invited to let go of whatever is actually not filling our hearts. To let go of the illusion that those things really satisfy, you know. So we're going to actually do something embodied to, to kind of commemorate this, to commemorate the beginning of Lent, to commemorate our prayer and our intention to say as best as we can, Lord, we are mixed people with mixed motives and mixed attachments, but we do want you. Somewhere in there, we do want you. We do hear your invitation to the life and to life that is full, to the peace and freedom and joy of heart. We hear that and we do want that. And as best as we can, we want to say yes and give us grace, Lord, to keep saying yes, right? So the way the Christians have done this often is by marking their foreheads with the sign of the cross. And typically, it's called Ash Wednesday because the Palm Sunday leaves from the previous year are burned, and the ashes from those leaves are then used to mark the sign of the cross, hence Ash Wednesday. And as you and I are going to be doing this now in, in just a few moments, um, I don't want to explain too much the symbolism because then it kind of loses the power of it, right? But I will say that as, as you feel the, the mark of the cross on your forehead, one thing is to remember you, your mortality, to remember that you are dust and to dust you will return, that life is fragile, that the time is now, to remember that. But also as you feel the mark of the cross on your forehead, it's a way of saying to God, I give you, I want to give you as much of my heart and life as I can. I want as much of your life and your heart to fill me. Why? Because life is fragile. 
and death is inevitable and I want all of you now. That's what I invite you to as we make the sign of the cross. Life is fragile and God loves you and wants to fill you now. So if you have your, your pens or your ashes or your oil ready, we'll do that in just a moment.